0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today we are going to cover what is a good relationship with food. And- We're also going to touch a little bit on some of the warning signs for when it might be time to start working on your relationship with food. We're going to talk about some of the perpetuating factors that make it really difficult to have a good relationship with food. And we, as always, are going to end with some actionable tips to start working on improving your relationship with food. And before we hop in, I want to share just a little bit of a life update. And this is something I I would really, really value your feedback on this, like really value it. And the reason is I've been, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I am a podcast lover. And one of the things that I really, really enjoy about listening to different podcasts is kind of getting to know the person that I'm listening to. And so I've kind of held back on this podcast for a little while, like haven't really shared too much about what's going on in my life, but I'm going to do that today. And I would love to hear from you if you are interested in getting a little bit of a life update at the beginning of the podcast episodes. If you are just here to hear about relationship with food, amazing. You can skip forward probably to about minute five of this podcast and you will be able to skip the whole part. That I'm going to talk about now. And so as I record this, uh, I am in Vienna, Austria. And this is a really exciting moment for me because I, so I've been living in Barcelona since 2014. Uh, if, if this is your first time listening, you're like, wait, but you sound American. Yes, I am American. I'm from California. I've been living in Barcelona since 2014. And recently I've been feeling like an itch to Be somewhere else, not necessarily leave Barcelona for good because I adore Barcelona. I have an amazing life there. I really enjoy everything. I have my apartment there as well. But I wanted to try something different without sort of committing to moving. And so I set up a house swap with two lovely girls from Vienna. And I'm currently staying in their apartment. Uh, I was able to bring Ona, my dog, with me. And that honestly just, oh, like, makes my life. And here I am for the next month just exploring Vienna. Um, I am hopefully going to make some friends. I'm definitely taking advantage of dating apps to just meet new people and try new things and sort of get myself out of, this is, like, so cliche, but get myself out of my comfort zone because my comfort zone is I could just hang out with me and my dog and be fine, but it wouldn't necessarily challenge me to get to know the city and really get to know new people, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, mental health wise, uh, it feels a little weird because I have been creating a really great group of friends and a really fun social life in Barcelona. And so the thought that I'm going to be here for a month, and then I have to go to the States for a month to deal with some family stuff. And so, yeah, that's a little scary. And it's interesting because this actually relates to relationship with food stuff, because I have been noticing over the last couple of days, I have been feeling a little bit lonely. And so my head has been like, you should eat something. You should eat something. You should eat something. And old me would have been like, yeah, I'm going to eat something. And new me is like, oh, wait, that's not actually going to address the root of what's going on. So that's my little life update. If you'd like, if you have any questions, if you'd like to know anything else, if you liked hearing about this, if you didn't like hearing about this, shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know. As always, I said this before, but I really value your feedback. Thank you. So big topic, big topic today. If you search the hashtag food freedom on Instagram, there is over a million posts. I think it's like 1.4 million and every single day, so on my Instagram feed I, or on my TikTok feed, I come across some new video or TikTok with someone talking about intuitive eating, healing your relationship with food, making peace with food, et cetera, et cetera. And as a society in general, we have a pretty fucked up relationship with food in our bodies. And the root of what where that lies is that we're told that a smaller body is a better body And in order to achieve that better body, we have to control our food, we have to control our exercise, we have to be more disciplined, and that will make us, quote unquote, better people. We all know that person that is kind of obsessed with food and exercise and really worried about their bodies, and they sort of feel superior. (laughs) Um, I know this because I was one of these people that was like, I'm superior than everyone else, because look at me, I'm so disciplined. But really, there was a lot of inner stuff going on with my relationship with food. And if you have an issue with alcohol, you can just quit. If you have a drug problem or maybe you're obsessed with online shopping, you can stop doing those things and still live a pretty awesome life. But when it comes to food, you have to eat every day, multiple times a day for the rest of your freaking life. And the problem is, is that often disordered eating habits or a messed up relationship with food is cloaked in this BS that we disguise as health. And I am the perfect example of this. When I was complimented and praised for how disciplined I was and how focused on health and how fit I was, that was when my relationship with food and my body was at its absolute worst. And this is because while my body fit into the, body, the beauty standard of small, fit, lean, lightly muscled, my mind was fucked up. My relationship with food, as I said, had never been worse because I was sort of stuck in this battle of simultaneously thinking about food constantly and trying to avoid eating it constantly. So you can imagine how much space that took up in my mind. And if you're in the same boat, maybe you're someone that's like, I love food. I am a foodie. This is exciting. But but you're also like, oh my gosh, I need to control my body. It is this battle of, You know, which one do I choose? And so, in this episode, we're going to discuss what a good relationship with food looks like, some green flags, some good things to look out for, some warning signs to look out for, and actionable tips towards working towards that like Instagram food freedom, whatever. And before we jump in, I want to make sure that there is a lot of talk, especially in my little corner of the internet of intuitive eating, health at every size, and a lot of other anti-diet professionals that claim that any pursuit of intentional fat loss is inherently damaging to your relationship with food. Personally, I don't fully agree with that. And while I do agree with, yes, and this is when I start with a client, for example, we take a look at what their relationship with food is like. And if, even if that person's goal is fat loss, we are not going to immediately jump into Focusing on fat loss until their relationship with food is at a place that feels stable and good. And so I personally believe that yes, you can pursue intentional fat loss without having a shitty relationship with food, but it takes preparation, it takes skill building, and it might take some time at which you are not focused on intentional fat loss before you're ready to be there. And I want to give you an example of a client that I've been working with and kind of what this can look like. So we've been working together for about four months now. And when this client came to me, she was feeling like she was addicted to carbs and sugar. She was completely out of touch with her hunger cues. I think once she told me, she's like, I don't know if I've ever really, like if I know what it feels like to be truly hungry. But she also desperately wanted to lose weight. And now she is in a fat loss phase and her relationship with food is, better than it's ever been, but this is how we did it. So first, before we started, excuse me, focusing on fat loss, we worked on adding regularity and consistency in her eating habits. So that meant eating at regular meal times, balancing out meals with protein, fat, carbs, and veggies. We worked on building a mindset of choice and autonomy so that she felt in charge of her eating habits and her food decisions. Instead of feeling like, She, quote unquote, like had to eat this food or had to avoid this other food because they were healthy or unhealthy or good or bad. We worked on building up her nutrition education so that she could make those decisions herself. We worked on implementing unconditional permission to eat. So she has full range, full autonomy to eat whatever she wants, whenever she wants. But she now has the knowledge and understanding of how to make those choices. And we also worked on creating fundamental habits around how she prepared food and how she thought about food in the day-to-day. And only then was she ready to start working on intentional fat loss, which for her, that feels super empowering because she's currently making decisions that align with her goals. She's not excluding any food. She's not avoiding any social situations. And she's doing this without her, she would often binge or overeat at night and she would feel really guilty for it. And that is not happening anymore. Even if she does have a moment of overeating or ordering food when she didn't plan to, or eating a frozen pizza when she didn't plan to, she's now able to address that and understand the why behind it without the guilt and feeling like she needed to make up for it. And so, yes, we worked on her relationship with food first before she was ready to approach intentional fat loss. And Because of that groundwork, she feels pretty great in the process. So if you need a hand with this specifically, coaching could be a great fit for you. And you can find a link in the show notes if you want to set up a call. We can chat about it. But let's jump in to what does a good relationship with food actually look like? So here's a definition. A good relationship with food involves having unconditional permission to eat the foods that make you feel good physically and mentally. No foods are off limits and you don't feel guilty eating foods that you typically label good or bad. And I well, there are other definitions on the internet, but I like this definition because it embodies what I feel is is a key key, key, key component of a good relationship with food, which is autonomy. And that is not just a key component of a good relationship with food, but also a good relationship with your body and yourself. And autonomy, if you're like, "Uh, I don't fully get what that means. That is like, you are in charge of your decisions and you take personal responsibility for your decisions. And this is really, really empowering. I think for some people, sometimes taking personal responsibility, it's like, oh my gosh, now like it feels heavy, but it's actually really empowering because it means that you are making decisions. You're not eating out of habit. You're not eating on autopilot. Like think about, Uh, I've worked with many clients that have the habit of eating while they're watching TV. And sometimes it feels like it's not a decision that they're making. It's something that just happens. And that's not an autonomous decision. That's a habit. That's something that is like an autopilot ingrained, ingrained habit. And so it doesn't feel good because it doesn't feel like an autonomous decision. And food rules are similar. So, you know, you might have rules around like I can eat this, but I can't eat that, or I can't eat at this time, or, you know, I can eat whole grain bread, but I can't eat white bread, whatever. And that's not autonomy because that's a rule based on something that someone else told you. And autonomy is also a key component of intrinsic motivation, that motivation that keeps you going towards a goal and I did do an episode on this, episode 32. If you want to go ahead and check that out, we talk a little bit about, I say we, the royal we, me. (laughs) I talk about um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and how to start being more intrinsically motivated. And so here's a list of some, this is not an inclusive list. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Exhaustive, not an exhaustive list. There are many more habits that could potentially indicate a good relationship with food. But here are some of the sort of fundamental habits of someone that does have a good relationship with food. And so fundamental habits of someone that has a good relationship with food, including but not limited to practicing unconditional permission to eat, eating primarily when you're physically hungry, being able to leave food on your plate when you're full paying attention while eating and practicing mindful eating habits, being aware, but not obsessed with nutrition information. So for example, you know, like this food is higher in protein than this food, but it's not, oh my gosh, I can only eat that food because it's higher in protein. Another habit is enjoying all foods without feeling guilt or shame for eating, not obsessing or overthinking food decisions, not basing self-worth or morality on food decisions. So not saying, oh my gosh, I was so bad. For eating that cake last night its just okay i ate the cake and i it was delicious and i move on with my life and the last one i have here is practicing coping mechanisms for emotion stress or boredom that are outside of eating and this sounds pretty cool like this sounds like okay food is a part of my life but it's not something that is a gigantic obsessive part of my life you know you're not stressing over food you're paying attention to it but it's not like taking, you're not preoccupied with it. You enjoy all foods. Amazing. But the issue that is, is especially I'm a millennial. I know a lot of the individuals that listen to this podcast are also millennials. The society we grew up with, our parents, the way we were raised, so much of our environment did not promote this way of eating. It's, you know, we had, I remember we had like ads on TV talking about like, sinful desserts or like guilt-free blah, blah, blah. And it's like, obviously, if I was told that a lower calorie thing is guilt-free, that sticks in my head. And so maybe in your household, you were told that wasting food was bad. And so now you're like, oh my gosh, I can't leave food on my plate. Maybe you were put on a diet at a young age or told that you shouldn't eat certain things because they were fattening. Uh, For me, for example, I was not allowed to eat soda because Soda was fattening and sugar was bad for you and was going to kill you. And maybe your parents or older siblings modeled dieting behaviors and they introduced you to dieting or the need for fat loss early in life, or they instilled in you this, this value of smaller bodies, or maybe your difficulties in your relationship with food came from adult life. Maybe you tried a diet and you got a lot of compliments on weight loss and you're like, oh my gosh. I want to keep up with these compliments. Clearly I'm better now that I'm smaller and it boosted your self-worth. And so that created sort of like a feedback loop in our, my brain is like, I need to be smaller in order to be better. And I do that through restricting my food. Maybe you started following someone on social media and you're like, oh my gosh, they have a killer body. And they actually display some really disordered eating habits themselves, but you know since they're hashtag body goals, you know, hey, might as well follow some of those habits or follow some of those guidelines, even though they're terrible guidelines. And honestly, there's so many factors in our relationship with food and we're going to talk about some warning signs that maybe it is something that deserves your attention because oh my gosh, food is an enjoyable part of life. And I think that often we feel like we're stuck in this like, I love food but I feel guilty for it. And so we don't actually get the enjoyment that I think we deserve from food. And, you know, I think that when we can work on not feeling guilty or fearful of food is also when we don't feel like, oh my gosh, I've broken the rules. I'm just going to keep going and eat everything and blah, 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 etc. And so warning signs that your relationship with food needs work. And this is like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And for me, it took, for me, it took a health scare to realize that my relationship with food was messed up. I didn't have a period for three months. I talked a little bit about this. I think it's episode 27, 26, 27. Um, And so for me, that was a real big wake up call because my hair was falling out. I was miserable. I did not have a sex drive, but hopefully for most people, you will catch your relationship with food warning signs before that point because my hair is like still growing back I still have all these baby hairs from when it was falling out and it's like a couple years later now and I want to make a note here that if this is if you suspect that you have an eating disorder or the habits that I'm about to talk about if they're causing like a big disruption in your life like you feel like you can't function um please reach out to a licensed eating disorder counselor, your doctor, or another licensed professional that is prepared and educated to deal with eating disorders. And I say this because there's a lot of people on the internet that are like, I will teach you food freedom. And, And you're like, well, how? And they're like, well, I did it myself. And you might be like, well, yeah, but that's what you're doing, Jillian. And I'm a coach. I have training as a coach. I have professional education in some psychology-based techniques, but eating disorder treatment, if you have a clinical eating disorder, that is outside of my scope of practice. I have worked with clients in the past that have been working with an eating disorder counselor at the same time. So I really help them focus on the habit side and creating consistent habits. And we sort of tag team with the therapist or, or eating disorder counselor, but I am not an eating disorder treatment professional. So I want to make that very clear. And also, if you're like, I don't know, reach out to me. I'm happy to chat with you and direct you towards someone that can be, that can help you. And also, I have a link in the show notes that has a ton of resources for if you do suspect that you have an eating disorder, please check out that link and and get some support. So here's some warning signs that your relationship with food needs work. You feel obsessed or preoccupied with food. You're out of touch with hunger and fullness signals. For example, maybe you finish a plate of food always, even when you're full, or you notice that you eat a lot, but you're not actually hungry. If you're always on or off a diet and you actually don't really know what it's like to eat normally, maybe you're someone that kind of looks at people and you're like, oh, I wish I could eat like that. And it it usually comes from a really strong place of restriction and feeling really fearful over giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. Another warning sign is when food is one of your main or only coping mechanisms for dealing with difficult emotions, stress, boredom, et cetera. Um, If if you eat based on food rules, like I can have this, but I can't have that. And if you feel guilty or ashamed for breaking those rules, like let's say I've heard people say, you know, I'm not supposed to eat after X time of day or before X time of day. And if you feel guilt or shame for breaking those rules, that's definitely a warning sign. Another warning sign is if you, especially if you say that you're someone, you're like, oh my gosh, I love food, but you rush through it or you're only satisfied eating it. If you're completely stuffed and you're not actually connected to the act of eating, that is a warning sign for me. And again, this is not an an exhaustive list, but I think a really important one is if you see food as a transaction, a prize to be won or a punishment. For example, you finish a hard day. You're like, oh my gosh, I really deserve a treat because I got through this hard day. Or I, you know, oh, I didn't work out yesterday, so I'm not allowed to eat X, Y, Z. Uh, that is the warning sign. And if you're wondering, like, well, what point is this disordered or a difficult relationship with food? And when does it cross over into eating disorder territory? Each eating disorder specifically, you know, like anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, um, they all have specific criteria for binge eating disorder also specific criteria for understanding like if it is an actual eating disorder but if it is something that is causing you great distress please talk to someone that can help you get a diagnosis or help you help support you on the mental health side and disordered eating does frequently involve many not all but many of the same behaviors that occur in clinical eating disorders but those symptoms are either going to be less intense they're going to be less frequent then it would be in an actual clinical eating disorder. And what can happen is if you heard some of these, um, some of these red flags for a crappy relationship with food and you know, you're like, "Uh, I don't think I need to do anything about this. I want you to know that often disordered eating habits do lead into eating disorders. Like it starts out sort of sneakily like, Oh, Like, I'm just, you know, have this rule around food or, you know, oh, I'm just going to, you know, skip this meal or I'm just going to try fasting or, you know, I'm just going to try to make up for this. It starts small. Like my disordered eating habits started with just wanting to get in better shape and it got dangerously close to an eating disorder. And this is why it's such a good idea to start working on your relationship with food intentionally sooner rather than later, because most of the time this stuff doesn't just naturally get better. It actually just gets worse. And I want to talk about now some of the perpetuating factors in your life that might make it really, really difficult to work on or improve your relationship with food. And our environment is such an impactful part of how we live. And this is including, you know, media, general society, diet culture is all around us and our peer group. You know, it's a lot harder to get yourself out of a difficult relationship with food. If all of your girlfriends are just constantly talking about like over exercising and, you know, eating only lettuce all day, like that's tough. And so it's almost like you need to put on an intentional, like set of like, you know, like a helmet and like armor to be like, I'm going to deal with all this crazy stuff that people are telling me. And sorry, that was a weird analogy. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry. (laughs) And, and here's the thing is that we have been raised in an environment that glorifies thinness and demonizes fatness. Like think about any movie from the early to mid 2000s or 2010s it was always like the skinny beautiful girl is the main character and oh my god she's so great and like the chubby friend or the friend that isn't like typically quote unquote beautiful or thin that's the sort of like quirky weird one or the the one that like does weird stuff or doesn't get the guy right and so while this is something that as a woman we deal with a lot men deal with it too and we're made aware of our bodies and why they should look a certain way from a very, very young age. Personally, I remember my mom talking. And so my mom passed away when I was nine years old. So all of these memories are before nine years old. And I remember talking, her talking about the last 10 pounds. I remember going to Weight Watchers classes with her, not classes, meetings, groups, I don't know. And there's an ongoing family joke that my mom had no self-control around dessert. And so all of this stuff, means it's, it's actually easier for us to stay in the toxic cycle of a crappy relationship with food instead of moving away from it. And so I want you to stop right now and think about like, if your relationship with food is difficult, what are the perpetuating factors? What are the things that feed this relationship over and over? And so that might be You know, it might be the people you follow on Instagram. It might be the conversations that you have. It might even be things like keeping clothes that don't fit the body that you have now in your closet. And every time you open your closet and you see those jeans that don't fit, you're like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to keep doing these sort of like crappy relationship with food habits, right?" And it is really tempting to believe that, "Oh, well, I just need better self control. I just need more willpower, and then life will be better. I'll be skinnier." I'll be able to control food, I'll, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the time, we just sort of like take this sort of out of sight, out of mind sort of thing where it's like, well, as long as I don't have XYZ food in the house, or as long as I don't put myself in XYZ situation, or as long as you know I have a diet or I'm tracking my macros or whatever, then I can control myself. But the, the that is all restriction, And restriction is the root of a shitty relationship with food. And once we've realized this, we're going to get into some actionable tips for how to start challenging this and working on it. So I want to talk about the number one common thread that keeps us stuck in a bad relationship with food. And that is fear of weight gain. And no matter what your body actually looks like, We think, we have this belief that like, well, if I work on a better relationship with food, if I practice unconditional permission to eat, if I ditch diets and I stop restricting my food, I'm going to gain weight. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like. You can have this belief. Maybe you have lots of body fat on your body. Maybe you have very low body fat. Maybe you're super muscular or you don't have any muscle. But it's that fear of weight gain that keeps us stuck in these patterns of a bad relationship with food. And here's the thing is it's not necessarily true that you're going to gain weight when you start working on your relationship with food and when you start practicing unconditional permission to eat. And so for me, yes, part of working on my relationship with food was gaining weight. Yep, totally was. Because for me, the symptoms of my shitty relationship with food had to do with under eating and exercising. However, for others, working on your relationship with food might mean that you end up overeating less, you're binging less, you're maybe you're eating more vegetables and you're cooking more. Maybe that is something that is going to lead to a better relationship with food for you. And that might actually lead to fat loss. And then for other people, you're gonna start working on your relationship with food. You're gonna start eliminating restrictions and practicing unconditional permission to eat. And your body won't change at all, but your mind will. And what is actually most common, if you are someone that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight. Yeah. At the beginning, you might. And I'll tell you why. Because when you take away restrictions and you start practicing unconditional permission to eat all of the foods that you put on a pedestal beforehand, and those were like the forbidden foods, that they're going to seem very exciting and you're going to want to eat a lot of them. Trust me when I say that you're going to get sick of that pretty quickly, especially If you're also practicing mindful eating habits and paying attention to how food makes you feel, because while pizza is absolutely delicious, your body is not going to feel great if you're only eating pizza all the time. And so you're going to get to a point sooner rather than later where you're like, Hey, actually, I don't want to feel like this. So I don't want to eat pizza for every meal. It is important to overcome the fear of weight gain in order to work on your relationship with food, but it's also important to recognize that you're improving your relationship with food does not necessarily mean that you're going to gain weight. So with that, let's go for some actionable tips to start healing your relationship with food. I don't like saying healing your relationship with food because it sounds very like Instagrammy, but yeah, it's kind of what it feels like. It's like, you got to, you got to start healing it. It's kind of like when you cut yourself and, you know, at first it like kind of feels uncomfortable because it gets kind of itchy and then you get the scab and you want the scab to be like healed quickly. And so sometimes there's impatience involved and a lot of this is patience and a lot of this is practice. And yeah, so here are some tips. This is not, again, there are so many different components to this and this is what, I work on with so many of my clients in coaching is to start doing these things on a consistent basis. And this is a big component of my group coaching program as well, is to start building that flexibility around food and around the way that you think about food. So if you're interested in that, details in the show notes. So number one, start challenging the food narrative in your head. And so this is really interesting with clients, something that I've done in the past is we almost name our diet culture voice. Like we name that food police, right? And so giving it a name is sort of like, oh, you know, like Barbara is is telling me that I'm not supposed to eat carbs in every meal again. Huh? Interesting. Barbara, is that even true? I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that diet culture, Barbara. And this is where journaling can be really, really, really helpful. Um, I personally was resistant to journaling for a really long time. And I want you to know that journaling does not have to be like getting out a notebook and pen and writing. You can record voice notes. You can do like notes in your phone and just write bullets. Or you can get out a notebook and journal. And it is really helpful because it helps us work through our thought processes and actually get things out on paper. So I would start working on like noticing when those thoughts come up, noticing when those food rules come up, and then challenging them intentionally by perhaps giving your diet culture voice or that rule food rule voice a name. There's also, so to start challenging this, there's some books that I think are really, really helpful. Intuitive Eating, great book. The Mindfulness-Based Eating Solution, also a really great book to start eating more mindfully. And then there's a book called Body Kindness, which I like the concepts, the way that it's written. I wasn't a big fan of how it was, like laid out, but that was me, the concepts are really, really helpful. The next actionable tip is to start practicing mindful eating habits. And so I, of course, I'm going to mention the mindful eating mini course here, because that is three fundamental mindful eating habits that are going to be really helpful for you as you start exploring what it's like to build a better relationship with food. That is a free mini course. You can find it through the link in my, in my, in my bio link in my, in the show notes, Or you can always send me a message on Instagram and I will send you the link there. And so what that includes is starting to get curious about hunger and fullness cues. And so what that means is actually kind of pausing before you eat and checking in and being like, huh, am I hungry? What does this hunger feel like? And then as I'm eating a meal, noticing the feeling of your body filling up, the satisfaction that you're feeling from the food. And this is really tough to do if you're constantly multitasking while you're eating. And so it does include slowing down and being present. So I often recommend to people, and I mentioned this in the mindful eating mini courses, starting with just one meal a day and going from there. And yeah, it is going to be really helpful to stop intentional dieting. You can in the future choose to pursue fat loss. Awesome. Cool. Cool. And if you do that, once you work on your relationship with food, it's going to feel very, very different than it does now. But letting go of intentional dieting is going to be really helpful as you start to explore these mindful eating habits. And for many people, we are in a dieting mindset, but we aren't actually in a caloric deficit. And so that means we have a bunch of like diet rules in our heads, but we're not actually really dieting because we are maybe binging or overeating or eating more than we planned on because of the rules that we have. The next step, and this is a really practical one, is to eat regular meals. I will not shut up about this. And on Instagram, these posts never do well, but it's like the most fundamental thing is to eat regular meals. That means like at least breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I recommend planning ahead. You don't need to plan everything down to the letter. But for example, for me is I'll often make like things in bulk and then I'll mix them together when I know my breakfast, lunch, and dinner times are. And also in those regular meals, adding a satisfaction factor is really great for this process. So that might mean like instead of just trying to eat as quote unquote healthy as you can, like add something that is going to satisfy you in that meal. And so, yeah, I eat a ton of vegetables um i eat like you know objectively if you look you'd be like oh super nutritious meals but i add i'll give you an example for me when i make a snack i'll often eat some greek yogurt and a banana and for me the satisfaction factor that i add is i'll often add a cookie and for me even though it's like i don't i don't quote unquote need the cookie but i like it because for me it feels a little bit more satisfying And that is really helpful for not feeling like I'm getting to the end of the day. Oh my gosh, I want a cookie. Oh my gosh, I want a cookie because I've added that satisfaction factor throughout the day. Two more steps here. One is to start thinking about how to nourish your body instead of control it. And so this is a big body shift or sorry, a big mindset shift. And part of that can be part of you, part of mouth, not working. I need a sip of water to start thinking about and getting yourself in the mindset of how to nourish your body instead of control your body has to do with practicing body functionality. When I talk about body functionality is sort of like, hey, I'm so, one of the ones, I always come back to this one. And I talked about this, I think I did an episode on this. I don't remember what episode number on body acceptance, body neutrality, et cetera. One that I always come back to that for me just inspires this incredible feeling of awe is like my body, my heart is pumping blood And I have all of my organs and my body is this like incredible machine. And that feeling of awe for how incredible my body is for keeping me alive and letting me do all of the things that I do in a day makes me want to nourish my body so that it can continue to do all of those freaking awesome things. And so a question that can be really helpful to start adopting that mindset is if I cared for my body, how would I feed it? What would my body need to feel nourished? I said that word weird, nourished, nourished, whatever. And I want you to think of food as both body and soul nourishment. So a lot of people are like, food is fuel. Yes. And not just food is fuel. Food is fuel. And it's also enjoyment. It's culture. It's love. It's experience. It's relationships. And so when we think of food as both, we realize that it's yes, we want to be eating vegetables and we want to be eating protein and we want to be, you know, paying attention to our nutrition, but also. Though that ice cream that you have with your friend, that is also nourishment. That is not just like, oh my gosh, my willpower slaps. You know what I mean? And then the very last one is consider getting support. And this is really important because I think often we sort of like feel like an island. It's like, oh, I can do this. I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to handle this. Why can I not do this by myself? And I want to let you know that if you have never learned these skills, And you've never intentionally put work into it or even if you have even if you have put work into it support is not a sign of weakness support is a sign of like hey i need assistance and i need to get over myself because otherwise i'm just making myself suffer and i'm going to ask someone that might be able to give me a new perspective and offer me education and offer me support and as i mentioned before if you do suspect that you have an eating disorder or it's, you know, severe disordered eating. I'm a huge fan of therapy, huge fan. I'm in therapy myself, and I've been in therapy on and off for a very long time. And there are eating disorder specialists, there are eating disorder psychologists, binge, binge eating specialists. And as I mentioned before, I've linked a page with multiple resources, and that can be a great place to turn if you do feel like you have or are bordering on an eating disorder. Please do not just go with some random coach, including myself. If you have an eating disorder, please don't assume that I can fix your problems for you. If you have an eating disorder, I am not qualified to help you with that. I may be able to help you with that if you are also working with an eating disorder mental health professional, but a coach is not qualified to help you with an eating disorder. And if you are, you're just like, hey, my relationship with food. I've got some warning signs. Like this is not really working for me. Coaching is a great, great place to go. This is a great option for someone that maybe you're like, Hey, I feel like I'm eating emotionally and I don't really know what to do about it. Or I'm a stress eater. Um, I'm noticing that like, I feel like I'm on and off a of diet all the time. And I really would really like some consistency because I feel kind of down on myself about it. So if you've noticed some of the red flags or warning signs, but it's definitely not eating disorder territory. Coaching is going to be super helpful because it's going to provide you true nutrition education, not the stuff you see on the internet. It's going to help you with goal setting and mindset resources. And you're going to get guidance and support towards creating new patterns and new habits around food. And again, if you're curious, if you're like, I don't know where I'm at, chat with me. Cause if I am like, Hey, this is something that I'm not qualified to help you with. I will be honest with you and let you know that because it is not in my best interest to try and help someone that I am not qualified to help. Cause I want the best for you. I want you to be successful. And so if I can't help you, I want to point you in the direction of someone who can help you. And so this is a long one. This was a little little, 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 long one. And so to wrap this up, here's the deal. Fruit is freaking enjoyable. It's a huge part of our life, a huge part of culture. And it's also a huge component of our health and well-being, both physical and mental health and well-being. And we cannot separate mental and physical health. Your relationship with food is a reflection and a culmination of your life experience, the narratives you've grown up with, your environment, what you believe to be true about yourself. And as you learn and grow as a human, you can challenge and change that. Because when we know better, we can do better. And doing it on your own is really freaking hard. Personally, I'm really, really lucky that I had some really great support along the way. I had some coaches. I had friends. I had friends that were also coaches and and also were dealing with really similar struggles at the time. And without that, I would not have been able to pull myself out of this. And I want you to know that if you feel alone or you feel lonely in this journey, I understand that you feel that way. And also it doesn't have to feel like that. Hopefully, this podcaster can remind you of that. Hopefully, you feel comfortable reaching out to me for some support, reaching out to someone else for some support, and I want you to know that a good relationship with food is possible for you, but first, you have to let go of the fear of your body changing and embrace what it looks like to nourish yourself and know that your body is going to do what it needs to do in order to get you to feel your best. And that intentional fat loss is not off the table. It's just simply like maybe not not right now, but it's not not ever. I hope that made sense to you. And it feels really good to have a good relationship with food. It feels like there's a lot more mental space available for other things. And that is awesome. So I want to finish this off with a piece of client feedback that I just received from a client that I worked with last year. And this is from Rose. And in response to the question, so the question was, what changes in your life, mindset, or health have you noticed since beginning a coaching program? And this is what her response was. She says, I definitely saw physical changes, but even more than that, amazing mindset changes. I stopped feeling guilty around food. I learned how to have a better relationship with myself. I got better at recognizing my perfectionism and how it stops me from being a better version of me. I thought a lot about my nutrition, and nowadays I eat way better than I ever did, and I do it consistently. So with that, my friends, if you would like to chat with me, I'm here for you. Also, if you have not left a rating for the show yet, please do that. Um, It is a like one second way to help other people find the show. Those of you that have sent the podcast to other individuals in your life, thank you so much. And those of you that have posted on social media and tagged me, that is, it means a lot. It really does mean a lot because I really enjoy doing this. And I I really hope that it is helpful for you. And so the more that you can let me know, like, hey, this was great, or hey, this sucked, please shut up. Um, Well, I guess if you're like, hey, this sucked, please shut up, you probably just won't listen anymore, I guess. Um, So with that, thank you so much for being here. And I guess I will see you again next week.